This week on Jordan and Jake. Speaking of Halloween, that was scary. In the Las Vegas Bowl in college, you, I was in Las Vegas on Christmas, which felt a little odd to be in the city of sin on Christmas Day. Here are your Panther Hall of Honor members, Jordan Gross and Jake DeLome. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to a Halloween edition. It's, it's quite spooky around here. Halloween edition of Jordan Jake. Uh, as always, you got Jake in Louisiana and Jordan, myself in Idaho. And through the beauty of the Internet, we connect every Friday with you. So, Jake, first off, happy Halloween, my friend. Where does Halloween rank in order of the best holiday down to the worst for Jake DeLone? Wow, I never, I have never ranked my number one holiday. This is, let's do it. Yeah, I'm writing these down. Number one, Jake's number one. My number one is it's close, but I have to go with one. I, I'm a big Thanksgiving guy. I, I love Thanksgiving. Okay, good. Is no, that because you're no. so thankful, or is it because of the day and the football and all that stuff? No, one, the thank thankfulness, but two, no presents. And the reason I say that, it's not about getting presents. It's like everything we do, it seems like there's always has to be a gift involved. Well, Thanksgiving's a day. There's no presents exchanged. It's family time. It's meals. It's what you're thankful for. It, I, there's just, I've always just thought Thanksgiving to me, I, and especially I think as a parent, I felt Thanksgiving was just my favorite holiday. And then Christmas is right. It's next to it. Right. It's like one B it's one B. Yeah. But I hate even to use Christmas as B, but man, I really like Thanksgiving. And then number, then number three is Easter Sunday. Oh yeah. When I say Easter Sunday in Louisiana, we tie it in with good Friday and good Friday. It's uh, kind of a big family thing. Everybody gets together usually at your, grandmother's house and you have these big crawfish boils and that to me those those are my top three what easter if you everybody in the world thinks of crawfish boil when you think of easter i well, mean they just what, go <laughs> now this go, is this is this the, is the resurrection truth. of jesus and crawfish <laughs> boils that's the the two things you think of well, we, we think Jesus was there for the first crawfish boil. You know? so, crawfish is very big where Jesus was. Yeah, you're right. Well, and, you know, it's, and while you're teasing me and making me feel so small. I'm not teasing uh, you. It's just, that's awesome. That is, that is well, a cultural one, anomaly yes. right there, Jake. One good Friday, we had to stay in Charlotte. Uh, it, was, it was around maybe OTAs, whatever it may be. And so we were, we were staying there through the weekend. I... FedEx four sacks of live crawfish. I think I remember and I, that. I boiled it at my house, and nobody knew had any idea what we were, we were going to do. And Carrie made big fettuccines for everybody, you know, because people don't really understand how to peel crawfish and things of that nature. Well, sure enough, for about two and a half hours that afternoon, I would take some of the live crawfish and I would pull the pinchers off. So they couldn't pinch the kids. And I was giving them to all the kids in the neighborhood, the ones, everybody that was there. Wow. And the kids would play and race with the crawfish for about two and a half hours. And I had a mother look at me and she said, we have hundreds of dollars worth of toys in our house. And my kid has never sat down for 30 minutes playing with one toy. 
And now you have these kids playing with live crawfish for the past two and a half hours. And that's what it's about. It's about family, bringing it all together (laughs) and, you know, putting phones down. And, you know, and the the crawfish does that. You didn't know that, right? You didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know what a pincherless crawfish would do to bring a community together on a Good Friday. That's some- <laughs> well, it's it's cert- it certainly works in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, on that particular right. Good so Friday. You got number one Thanksgiving. You never played on Thanksgiving, did you? No, we didn't. Never did. No. Uh, we never had the opportunity. I worked the Panthers game again at Dallas on a Thanksgiving when they picked off Romo a hundred times. That was awesome. Okay, Christmas. I never. I played on Christmas at in the Las Vegas Bowl in college. You, I was in Las Vegas on Christmas, which felt a little odd to be in the city of sin on Christmas Day. But we got the win With, against against Troy Polamalu and Carson uh, Palmer led USC, which was a pretty good team, by the way. So the the Las Vegas Bowl. I'm gonna give you an interesting tidbit that you probably did not know. We, I'm sure I didn't. When I say we, the Raging Cajuns of it was University of Southwestern Louisiana at that time. Directional, directional up, college. Hey, 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 hey. You've already made me feel bad enough, okay? So, <laughs> 1993, my true freshman year, we won the Big West Conference. We were in the Big West. Imagine that. And we lost out on going to the Las Vegas Bowl on a tiebreaker, some mm. minute, some tiebreak, and we would have played in the Las Vegas Bowl. So I could have played in the Las Vegas Bowl, Jordan, and I'm still, I'm still hurt by that to this day. Never it's played a good bowl t- game. It, it's a good, it's a good bowl. It's fun. I will be honest. And funny enough, how this whole nonsense we're discussing comes full circle. This is the season coming up for pumpkin pie, right? And crawfish, pumpkin pie and crawfish. I you have a serious dislike for pumpkin pie because at the las vegas bowl we had a pie eating contest and the pie was pumpkin and i ate so much i almost threw up ever since then i'm not a pumpkin pie fan there it is look at that why did you did you win the pumpkin pie i didn't win i can't eat a pumpkin pumpkin pie that's a horrible pie to eat quickly it's so dense and like i don't know what would have been a better pie like maybe a, a cream pie like a uh chocolate cream or something but i couldn't the pumpkin pie it was so thick it was all in my nose i can still ta- ugh, i can still <laughs> taste it it's bad we lost to usc in the pumpkin pie eating but we won in the game so you didn't even say halloween is it does it be it's fourth i bet you're a fourth of july guy but you're where you live it's so hot maybe now, yeah, memorial day we're- yeah, we're tough where we're from. Uh, really and truly, uh, I love New Year's, uh, New Year's Day, New Year's Eve, the popping of oh, the fireworks, yeah. the Fourth of July. We usually go to the beach around that time, um, so that's kind of you're at the beach. You, you, you're gonna have fun at the beach. So okay, um, that's kind of. So now, now you're down to six. Is Halloween sixth? I, I would, Jordan. I think I'm depressed. I have a, a seventh <laughs> grader and I have a junior in high school. There's really right. the ho- right. Halloween to them is not, and I, I, it's making me feel old. They're not like yeah, into well, it. yeah. Well, you you know uh, you can come to my house because I got a bulldozer. My youngest son Boone is a bulldozer. Then my daughter Rainy is going to be a uh, llama, but also that's a DJ somehow. But Teddy, our thirteen-year-old, he's getting too cool for it, so he's wearing like a sweatshirt that says "lifeguard." You know, he's like he still wants to try to kind of dress up, but he doesn't want to admit it. So we're we're still yeah. all in. But 
Yeah. We've I, been there. Halloween so that's, is that, not in my top five either, but I enjoy it. It's fun. Mostly because Dana makes sloppy joes. That's the big okay. one. Okay. Crockpot of sloppy joes, and then I'm good to go for the rest of the night. But that, anyways, well, Jake, I didn't know if you heard, moving on, but the Niners played the Panthers last weekend and didn't go well for the Panthers. I know you watched it. Give me your thoughts. Well, speaking of Halloween, that was scary. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, watching the game last week, I'll be very honest, going into the game, I couldn't wait to see how we'd match up because this team looked like it was kind of on the verge. One of these teams that all these high draft picks and uh, they finally kind of get the right pieces together. And certainly that's what it looked like. Um, they just played very fast. And in essence, I'm glad we, we got blown out like we did because it wasn't like one side of the ball played good and the other side struggles. And that's where we lost the game. We just – it wasn't our day from the from the outset. And San Fran, it looked like it was their day all afternoon long. And sometimes that happens. You just you just get your tail beat. You run into a buzzsaw, any other cliche we can use here. Uh, but that happens. I've been a part of those on both sides of it, where you demolish a team and you know they're not that bad of a football team. It's just your day. We played the Minnesota Vikings at home one time, and you can remember it. That's when Steve Smith was rowing the boat. Um, yes. in the end zone, and it it was not their day, and it was our day in every way, shape, and form. And I've been on the flip side of it. Uh, as a member of the Saints, we're playing in Tampa, and you know how they shoot off the cannon after they score? Oh, yeah. Uh, and t Yeah, well, they ran out of ammunition that day, and that is, <laughs> that is the truth. They ran out of ammunition, and I'm kneeling down, and I'm the backup, and Aaron Brooks is the starter. He's kneeling next to me, and once they scored the 50-something point, the cannon did not go off. And I remember we looked at each other and at the same time we both said they ran out of they ran out of ammunition. <laughs> so some, sometimes that happens. And uh, but listen, that day we were we, our fits weren't right on defense. They gashed us running the football, um, you know, from the what, the first drive of the game. We tipped the ball up in the air and it goes right to Kittle. And then offensively, we just we couldn't get it really going, especially the passing game uh, up front. Yeah, they gave us some issues up front. We kind of played kind of musical chairs, uh, getting our line set. Um, and then run game, we did okay in the run game. Christian, I guess I'm so used to him playing well, and there were some holes there, but just wasn't our day, Jordan. And you, you saw it live and in person. I watched it on TV. I don't think it was much better on TV than it was in person. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting. It was interesting calling it too. You know, late in the fourth quarter, when you know that the game's out of reach, we just start talking about Halloween costumes and times that I got personal fouls for trying to keep guys off of running backs and quarterbacks. But it was it, you said it, man. It's just sometimes you're in those games and you hate to admit it, and because you don't know necessarily in the moment that it's happening. But there's times when it's just it's almost like you're playing 20 guys on the other side of the ball. You know, like the running lanes aren't there. They're getting the quarterback. I remember the Bear when we went up, we didn't lose by 40 points nearly, but we played the Bears in, um, what was it, 05, right? And 05, we went up there, November Jake. And they, yeah. 
oh, we gave up like eight or nine sacks. I had a couple of them. I yelled at a reporter after the game, which I never do. But he asked me, I remember he asked me, how does it feel to give up that many sacks? And I, I remember thinking, well, how do you th I said, how do you think it feels? It's just, uh, I felt the Bears felt like they were invincible that day. And we just, I mean, we only lost by a score or something. It was a low scoring game. But you just know when, oh, my gosh, nothing's going right. And you, you hope that it will. But the biggest thing, though, is what do you do after that? And the end of our story from that 05 year is that we went back and beat the Bears later in that year. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, Jake, depending on what the team does from here, we might have to go back out to San Francisco if we can figure out how to get into the playoffs and go play those guys again. But how do you, what, what do you do with the team now, Jake? You know, you lose by that much. It could be a great thing. It could be a stepping stone. Our Super Bowl year in 03, we lost to the Titans at home when we thought we were feeling pretty good about ourselves. They came in here and thumped us, and that kind of catapulted us to a little bit of a reset. You know, what do you do from here, Jake DeLome? I, you, you said the word, Jordan. It's a reset. Sometimes I've been around where coaches will say, hey, we're not going to watch this film and we're going to move forward. But I, I truly believe you have to watch. And it, it's not as bad as you, you think it is. And, and, and I think you have to go back in fans and, and, and alike. You have to realize you hit it on the head, the Chicago game. They destroyed us in that game. Yeah, we kept the score down some, but they just in every way, shape or form, and then two months later, we're at their place in the second round of the playoffs, and we put up like 29 or 30 when nobody would score on them all year. So it's just one of those days. But you have to hit the reset button. You're going to go back. What did we do well? Where can we improve? And it kind of makes everybody focus in just a little bit more. Not saying that guys were not focused in. That's not what I'm saying. But you're going to do a little bit extra work that week because you're embarrassed. There's no doubt the team's embarrassed offensively, defensively. Everything you're embarrassed. You're a pride. You you have pride. These coaches have pride, and they're going to take it upon themselves. We didn't have a good enough game plan. We didn't get our team ready enough to play. The players are going to hit the reset button, and they're going to come out ready to play because the last thing you want to do is get embarrassed two weeks in a row. No, you're 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 right. Now they got the Titans coming in. And I think it's so funny when you get to the age in your life and your football career is, you know, come and gone. And now you're seeing teams that have head coaches that are your age or younger or older, or especially in this case, Mike Vrabel, like a guy that you, I played against and blocked him. And he's an NFL head coach. It's, uh, it's, it's so nuts to see where guys end up. You know, Mike Vrabel is a head coach and a pretty good one at that. And he's a, a real role, a risk taker. He's got, you know, fake field goal last week and he did a QB sneak to try to win the game earlier in the season. Didn't go his way. Do you, what's it like, you know, to, in your opinion, when you see guys that we compete against become head coaches, offensive coordinators, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting when you know them at a, a, from a different angle. It's very interesting. And honestly, Brable's not one that I'm surprised is a head coach. Uh, a guy out of Ohio State, third-round pick of the Steelers, really didn't do anything whatsoever with the Steelers. Uh, and then he signs in New England, and he becomes one of the Belichick disciples. And he be plays that outside linebacker position. And next thing you know, he's there for multiple years, multiple Super Bowls. He plays tight end. He can't, I think he's caught, like, what, nine or 12 touchdown passes. And just a very cerebral player 
who has transitioned very well. And I think he's done a very good job in, in trying to research this team. And, and you understand how it is. This is an uncommon opponent. This is a once every four year opponent. So this is not someone that a team that we have any familiarity with. So when you when you dig into Tennessee and, and what they're doing, um, they're trying to create, I guess, the, the team concept, the New England type culture. Um, and they slowly starting to add pieces to this team. Um, but they made a quarterback change. And that's going to be the biggest thing going forward. Now, back to Vrabel. I think sometimes they can try to outsmart themselves. Going for it last week, the one, the fourth down, the other time on the fake uh, fake field goal, which, which this poor punter almost got decapitated by Devin White. Oh, uh, you know, it, it's we have to be prepared for the unexpected. And that's what you're going to get, in my opinion, from a younger type head coach. He's a young head coach. Very big on the analytics. I think it was last year they go for two to win the game in London when they should have probably gone into overtime because they had all the momentum going. So we have to be prepared for the unexpected. Uh, but I think that that youthfulness as a coach, you're you're kind of you feel you're invincible, really and truly. And I and I think that's kind of how he coaches some. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I just feel that. He has so much belief in his team because he's not so far being removed as a player. And as a player, you your ego is so large because you believe in yourself. No matter what, we're going to get the job done. And I think it's kind of translated to this to this team. Well, what do you think about young coaches? I, I never had Foxy and I had Ron Rivera, which were both advanced in their careers. Young coaches, it's got to it, it, there's got to be a little bit of a relation, a way they relate to the team that's different than a guy who's maybe been around for a long time. And Vrabel seems to be that way. See him at practice still, you know, holding bags and running drills and things like that. It's got to give that team a little bit of juice now that he's in his second year and seeing him go for it and call trick plays. Like you said, we got to be able to expect the unexpected, but the guys, it seems like they believe in him. What do you think? It sure, it certainly seems that way. And anything I've tried to dig and read on this team, it, everything goes back to the team concept. But it, it is one thing about being relatable. Um, I never had a true, very young head coach. Eric Mangini was probably the youngest. But my offensive coordinator in Cleveland was Brian Dable. And Bri- I was six months older than Brian. So that was very odd for me that I'm being, I was a little bit older. But he comes from that New England tree. So he's been with the Vrabel and – they do a great job of teaching and every single nuance of the game that it has gone over and you're prepared. And I think Vrabel has done that. And those players respect that because there's a one, there's a level of respect that, okay, I have a coach who played multiple years and he has multiple Super Bowls. So one, I mean, there's a belief in this team that they believe, believe in him because of that. And then two, just the age factor. Here was one yeah. that not long ago was playing. And so you, you, there are similar interests. I'm not saying music or movies or things that way, but it's a lot closer than, let's say, a Dan Henning, who I thought was fantastic. And yet, you know, Dan was mid-60s when he was coaching us, and he was 30 <laughs> years old. We talked about a lot of movies we had in common, though, me and Dan, Jake. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself. All right, you said quarterback change. Mariota was their guy, drafted – super high a few years ago. Tannehill, they brought in in the offseason. Now he's the quarterback. What's the consequence of a t- quarterback change like that, Jake? And how do you think it's gone so far? 
Well, they're two, they're two and zero. Oh, um, and if you watch, they're not asking him to do a great deal, and it's kind of working for them. They're keeping things kind of close to the vest. Listen, they beat San Diego and they beat Tampa, and they should have lost both games. I'll be very honest with you, uh, San Diego. <laughs> how did they not score on the one foot line? Um, it certainly looked like they they got the ball in, and so Tennessee gets that win, and then. Tampa last week, the inadvertent whistle on the fake punt that Tampa picks up and scores, and they're going to have the lead with little time left. So um, one thing Tannehill's done, and he's done a good job, they're 6-for-6 six six in the red zone since he's taken over, which obviously you never want to turn it over and you need points. So that, that's been huge. But they don't do a ton offensively. So this is going to be a stark contrast to what we saw last week with every shift in motion known to man and a team that plays in fast forward. That's what San Fran looked like on offense. This is a team that they're going to want to bruise, uh, bruise you and kind of bloody you up and run with Derrick Henry uh, and not do anything really crazy off- offensively. But they have a lot of weapons. They have bigger receivers, uh, tight ends, very good athletic tight ends. So I'm anxious to see if they're going to still force feed Tannehill just a little bit or are they going to kind of open it up some. But – I think they're going to hang their hat on on the run game because Tampa's defense was stout against the run all year long, and we saw it firsthand twice. But Tennessee had some success running the football, so I can expect a big dose of that, um, and that's something that we're going to have to stop because last week uh, all the shifts and mo- motions gave gaping holes to the running backs from San Fran. Well, it might be refreshing for our defense to have a little bit more of a, st- a, cons- a typical offense to watch and play against and, and play with some speed on that. Um, before I let you go, Jake, because I got to get ready for Halloween, I got to pack a three-year-old around the block keeping up with the older two. Uh, I just want to say, I know you probably heard the news about Mario Addison and losing his brother this week who was, who was shot and uh, just prayers and thoughts for Mario, man. That's terrible. And Shaq lost his mom two weeks ago. And that defense, you know, it puts things into perspective. Yeah, it was a tough week for the defense, but – life is right out there in front of all of us so just want to say from you and i i know you'll probably talk about on the air too jake but just to mario and sending love and support around him and and he hopefully he can do whatever's needed and best for his family keep his mind off the game uh and know that man that that's just tough that's tough so yeah it's hard for me to put into words because i don't know what he's going through but i can only imagine and and you watch mario on the field on the sideline, in the locker room. He's so beloved. This team loves him. And just he's kind of a happy-go-lucky type guy. So you you, you hit it. I could I can't say much more. Just thoughts and prayers uh, goes out to uh, him and his family uh, through this difficult time. Yeah. Well, Jake, knock him dead this weekend. I can't wait to listen to you and enjoy it from the comfort of my own home in our cold weather. And then get the W so I can take the team to Green Bay and, and, and celebrate that late kickoff, the flex game. All That's right? It. The, uh, well, I plan on doing that, and I plan on you having a great Halloween, eating a lot of candy and some of Dana's Sloppy Joes, and the sloppy then we'll go Joes. from there. All right, brother. Talk to you soon. Take care.